Welcome, everyone, to the Coffee, Theology, and Jesus podcast. I am your host, as always, joined here by my two traders, I mean, uh, co-hosts, both <laughs> uh, Jordan and Rob, who are no longer in New Jersey, are you? Are you guys? No. Nope. And where am I, guys? In New Jersey. In New Jersey. Jersey. Yep. Alone. Abandoned. The arm. The armpit of the United States. You know what, though? we still got great pizza, so... That's true. And Wawa. So does Papa John's. Eh. You know, it's funny you say that, because today on my door, when I came home from work, I had a um, quality ingredients, quality food, Papa John's poster. I almost laughed because of the oxymoron of quality ingredients and Papa John's going together. <laughs> I love yeah. Papa John's. I would eat them every day. I'm sure you Ugh. would. That's disgusting. I would get sick if I ate them every day. And that's why you no longer live in New Jersey, Rob. We kicked you out. That's what it really was. <laughs> we said you're not good enough. Yeah. That's fine. I'll take it. Um, Rob, how, how is um, the great state of North Carolina being down there? Listen, I moved to the south, so I was expecting you know beautiful sunny skies, 80 degrees. <laughs> I came down, and on my way to work this morning, it was snowing. Excellent. It's just wrong. Excellent. <laughs> and Jordan, how is uh, good old Seattle? Uh, it's great. Yeah. It's starting to get sunny again, which is nice because it's been raining for the last six months. But <laughs> The last six uh, months. <laughs> no, actually, this, this winter has been a lot nicer than uh, our first winter here. It literally, like, from the time we got here in October... Till I think like the end of February at least we had six sunny days in that whole time. Wow! <laughs> um, so that was pretty bad. That was like record levels of rain. But this winter has been a lot nicer, so not yeah. as depressed, which is good. <laughs> yes, I'm glad to hear it. I truly am. Yeah. Well, it's good to have you guys back on. It's nice to have the three amigos back, even though we're all over the place now, and I'm the only. Uh, the only one remaining strong in the original state of New Jersey, but it's okay. It's okay. But isn't, isn't technology great that we can do this? It only took us 45 minutes to figure it out. No, no, no. Jordan and I figured it out very quickly. It took you 45 minutes to get it right. I don't want to hear it. I think, listen, I just, what, what are you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say that you guys figure things out and I just ignore and play games on my phone. Yep. So Meanwhile, I'm like I'm banging cool my head that. against the wall. And my cat broke a, a candle today <laughs> on top of that as I'm trying to help oh, no. you guys out. So that, that sounds expensive. A, well, it's, I don't know, it's, it's a candle. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> but That's good. Yeah. That's well, good listen, you feel that way. It's good. We got a packed show tonight. I'm excited <laughs> about it. I'm excited to continue on. So let's start off with our you know original and um, consistent segment, Christians in the News. Hmm. Thank you, Rob. It just doesn't <laughs> Jingles have the, from it, a distance. It just doesn't have the same vibrato as when you do it over Skype for some reason. Yeah, I get that. Mm. Anyway, so Jordan, you had something you wanted to bring up. I'll get. I'll hand it over to you. What do you got for us? Um, well, the big thing recently was uh, definitely uh, Billy Graham passing away. Um, that's a pretty big deal. It is, but you've already kind of ruined the segment because the segment usually is funny, <laughs> is funny and jovial, and you just bring us right down Sorry. to the dumps. It's a, it's a serious note. It a is. Serious note this week. It is. Honestly, I got to say, he lived a long life, though, what, 97 years? He did, yeah. 
Unbelievable. Yeah. A lot of impact. Like what, Jordan? Keep going. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, well, I mean, just all of his, like, crusades and everything. And it was cool to see, like, even, um, you know, bringing in the in the news part of this segment. But it was cool to see, like, a lot of secular news outlets and stuff, like, doing pieces on him. And uh, who was it? Joy? Was it Joy Bear? from the morning show or whatever. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong person, but one of like the morning show hosts on like good morning America or something like that was like just talking for a while about how like, uh, they like gave their life to Christ at a Billy Graham thing. And this is all just like on national TV and stuff. So that was cool to see. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And he, he was the only religious figure to lie in honor at the Capitol, right? Huh. I didn't I know that. Didn't Interesting. Well, he I mean he's had a he's been an advisor, he's been an advisor to many presidents including Clinton and Bush. I mean, he's been in the political right, arena right. for a long time and he, you know, his son is very political. What is his name? Um Franklin. Franklin. Yeah, Franklin Graham is like super almost like hyper conservative, but I feel like Billy wasn't really that way in most of his years. He was pretty, you know, gospel centric and he was an advisor to anyone who would have him not just uh you know a conservative or or what have you so it was you know right. it, it's billy graham passing away is one of those things where you know it's going to happen but when it does it doesn't make sense it's like really like he died it's like well he was 96 but right. it, it just feels weird with him not being around anymore you know what i mean yeah because yeah, it's, it's was, a uh, grew up hearing yeah yeah I thought Franklin Graham was also the spiritual advisor under Obama also. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. I don't no, I don't think he was cuz he wrote Obama pretty often on his Facebook page. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> pr- pretty often. <laughs> I mean, maybe he was, yeah, but I if, if he was, I don't know how Obama stood him because he just bashed Obama all the time. <laughs> the it other, was towards the end of his, Yeah, exactly. Towards the end of his presidency. <laughs> right. Uh, I was going to say the other person who passed away today uh, is Stephen Hawking's also crazy. Right. Another yeah. one who, you know, at some point everyone passes away, but it's just weird to hear that he passed away. So another yeah. pioneer in the, in the science space. Yeah. I was, I was reading some stuff about him and you know, he was a pretty humble guy because everyone called him the most brilliant scientist that ever lived. But he always said, you know, I, I can't, and he kind of said it in a tongue-in-cheek kind of way, but, like, I can't play golf. I can't go and um, uh, do lectures, and I can't teach classes. All I can do is sit here and think about theoretical physics. So he's like, all of my resources goes into that, and that's why I can focus all of my attention there. Hmm, that's a really good point. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. My thought with that today, I was just thinking about it today, like, on my way home from work, was... I mean, from a Christian perspective, to think about someone like Stephen Hawking, who is so like outspokenly atheist, and um, most of his writings, I think we would say, contradict a lot of what we believe, biblically speaking, about a lot of things. Yeah. Um, but I was just thinking it's kind of like sad to see that, like somebody who is obviously so talented and smart, um, but f- like from a Christian perspective, to kind of, it's like. Yes, but they were 
or he was also wrong about a lot of things, you know? Right. And I, it's almost weird to, to say that because, like, I would not at all put myself in a similar, you know, intelligence sphere as him. <laughs> but it's just interesting to uh, kind of be in that place where you feel like you understand something that somebody like that doesn't. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, I'm obviously a lot of change happening, as always, you know, and it is... Two, it's funny because two um, very well-known figures in in our pop culture who are who are on very different sides of the spectrum have both passed away, which is you know not Ooh. really. It's just interesting. That's all that that it happened so quick to each other, only a few months uh, apart. You know, so really, I, I guess within a month of each other, because I think Billy Graham passed away earlier this month. Right. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, thanks, Jordan, for that riveting segment on, you know, people <laughs> passing you away. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It can't all be bashing Trump. So I, 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 Listen, I wanted to bring it back in, but I guess, you know, this is why I have you on the show, to rein me back in. So, well, listen, I, I want to talk about a little bit, kind of, a, you know, um, a part two almost of last episode. So, you know, last episode was, I was really going through a very intense time of, you know, kind of out of the blue panic and anxiety and stuff. And it was very crazy. And so I ended up sharing just kind of my experience and what I've been doing around that. And, uh, you know, a couple, a couple of people actually reached out to me and which was really encouraging saying that it helped them and that they also gave me some great advice as well. So, but it's been, I guess, let's see, Rob, when did we record that almost two months ago, a month ago, a month and a half, maybe, maybe a month. Uh, no, not even that long because it was when Julie and I were living at my in-laws. Right. Wow. And, the the re the reason that I remember that <clears throat> is because while we were recording the podcast, Julia was upstairs and basically had a panic attack. Wow. And so later on she went back and listened to the episode and actually got a lot of help and and um insight from it. But, you know, it was just so much of moving and leaving everything that she knows and yeah. so much new was going on. So, yeah. So what I figured we could do for this episode is I would like to kind of catch you and uh, our listeners up on what kind of happened after that episode for me and then talk about, you know, kind of what got me to, to discover the root of what's been causing a lot of this stuff and then kind of getting, you know, uh, a, both of your thoughts on it, but also if you had any similar experiences about around just, you know, things like this that have been, that have, you know, almost like identity crises, so to speak, that have kind of triggered maybe anxiety or panic or whatever it is. So I figured that could be a good episode for today for us to talk about. So, so what happened ironically, Rob, I don't think I even told you this, um, is after the episode, we, we recorded it. I got home. Everything was cool. Um, but I really fell into like, it went beyond just uh, uh, even panic. I went into a very deep sense of fear. Um, and my body was in a consistent fight or flight mode for a couple of days. I mean, just adrenaline through my veins. It was it was crazy. But the pinnacle, it, the, the, the highest that, that it got was one morning a few days after we recorded that episode... I woke up at like 6 a.m. in a pure panic. I mean, I was in terror mode. I could not fall back asleep. My mind was racing. My body was sweating. Um, I felt like just there was that there was so much adrenaline inside of me. I had no idea how to get rid of it. And I ended up actually <laughs> walking out of my bedroom, got to my uh, my couch, fell on my knees, 
and was literally crying out to God, just praying and weeping and just saying, Lord, what is going on? I feel so distant from you. It felt like, um, honestly, it felt like like a glimpse of hell. That idea, you know, how C.S. Lewis talks about the how hell. A lot of it is really around being separated from God and how painful that is when it's just there's no hope. There's you're just hopelessness. That's what it felt right. like for like maybe a half hour. Just a sense of all hope was lost, pain, agony, and suffering. It was it was really crazy. Like especially looking back on it now, like what was that? You know, but that was really the pinnacle, and that was really the at the height of this this moment of me just saying something is going on that has to be deeper than even the mental because I've taken so many steps over the past month or two for the mental and physical and it's helped out so much. But there was a whole different side that I think I wasn't really paying attention to and that was the spiritual side, which for someone who was raised pretty conservative and I think when it comes to the spiritual side, I'm almost so afraid of talking about demonic oppression or or you know spiritual attack quote unquote because of how i've seen it misused that i was almost kind of afraid to like start entertaining that idea of like well maybe there's like a spiritual element (laughs) that i experienced you know that i have to start kind of calling out so it was a really interesting dynamic for me to kind of get to that point of having to say you know i need to really like start praying against this and i need to really start getting in the word consistently and i really need to make sure that i'm starting my mornings off with the Lord every morning and praying against, you know, that stuff. Because I'm not sure if I shared this on the last podcast, Rob, but one of the things that got attacked the most was my marriage, which for someone who's been married for a year and a half, it sounds crazy. But I had intense, intense fear around failing Sarah as a husband. I was panicking around, what if I cheat on her? Or what if I leave her? And my body was just like in in that mode of just run away from everything. And it scared me to death because here I am this newlywed a year and a half in and all of a sudden my mind is racing around all of these what ifs. You know, what if you fail your wife? What if you can't do it? What if you can't stay faithful? And you know, the, the, the lies were so close to my, 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 my face, you know, they were like right in front of me just screaming that. And it was really terrifying. I think that's really what led into this whole cycle of this fear panic, you know, is realizing that I'm married now. And then the enemy almost using that as a way just to flood my mind with all of these what ifs that I almost wasn't even ready for. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. It does. <laughs> Good. Well, I'm glad it does. <laughs> and I, I, and the, the funny part is when, uh, when what what I was going to say is the the funny thing is when you were first telling the story just now, I, my my initial thought was, man, that sounds like a spiritual attack. Like it sounds like something that's more than just Tim's having anxiety and he needs to get his mental stay out of straight and he needs to take care of his body and get that. I was like, that sounds like a spiritual attack, especially coming right after you went kind of went public with it and wanted to share your story and help other people out. Like, I feel like mm. that was Satan's definitely calling you out and saying, Oh, you think you can save other people from this? You think you can help other people out? Well, I'm going to double down on you. Huh? I didn't even think about that until you mentioned it. (laughs) I guess that's a good point. It's a fair point. Um, Yeah. So anyway, so to finish the story and then, you know, I love your your thoughts on this part of it, especially, you know, 
that really led me down a spiritual path of like, you know, I need to see like what really makes me tick. You know, who am I? Who am I in Christ? Where have I been the past couple of years spiritually? And honestly, as you know, not maybe embarrassing to say, but it's kind of sad to say is that the past couple of years, I don't think I was really taking the spiritual side of my life super seriously. I almost, you know, it's funny because I feel like the, the enemy, especially he's kind of on both sides of the door. You know, he's kind of like, oh yeah, you know, you should do this. This is a great idea. And then on the other side, he's ready to ridicule you, uh, ridicule you and call out all the shame and say how dumb you were. You know, he's kind of on both sides of that door. And I think one of the sides that he was on that I didn't even think about was that he was whispering for a lot of years, like, listen, Tim, you grew up in the church, you've heard it all, you know, you don't need to really worry about this stuff, like, you and God are good, you know, you, you know what's up, you know, you, you have a cognitive, you know, understanding of God and, and, and the faith, so you're all right, you know, if you're drumming on a Sunday morning, no reason to go into the sermon, you can just hang tight with your friends and hang out, you know, no reason to spend every day with the Lord consistently, you're fine, and then here I am now on the other side, you know, of like all of this like wave of just, you know, where have you been, and who are you, and what if you have all these failures as a man, and you know, what about all these doubts, and I, I really feel like I was almost kind of believing these lies for maybe two or three years that, yeah, I'm fine, I'm good. And then here I am on the other side where I'm like, actually, I'm not fine or good. <laughs> and I need to really make sure that I'm dependent on Christ every day because I haven't been in the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, um, listening to the last podcast that you guys did and you were talking about um, just like the practical steps that you've been taking and stuff, which is really great. Um, but that was like the, one of the first things I thought just now when you were talking about almost like neglecting the spiritual side of it a little bit is like, there has to be kind of that balance in that. And I think that comes into play with a lot of things. Um, not just anxiety and fears, but definitely in this realm of, you know, there is the practical side of it and, um, that can help with the practical problems, you know, but then there is also this like whole spiritual, uh, side of it that is part of the problem also and it's like you can't deal with the spiritual side with practical responses like the spiritual requires like a spiritual response if that makes sense it makes complete sense you know i mean i've the past two months i've changed so many habits in my life i changed a lot of my diet i gave up coffee for a year um even my morning routine has shifted and it's been great it's been you know i've had certain you know mental techniques i've been working on mentally and had to capture certain thoughts but the spiritual side has been the most impactful because since i've started really meeting with the lord every morning and journaling much more and reflecting on on scripture and learning how to meditate with scripture which is something i'm I'm just starting to do that's been some of the biggest changes you know i the, the issue for me wasn't that i had anxiety that it was that there was a deeper root and one of the symptoms was the anxiety or the panic or the fear. And as I'm kind of digging through this, what I'm discovering is that the Lord is kind of taking me through a journey as a man of like working through my insecurities as a guy. I mean, I, you know, mm. one of the things I thought about, and again, this is, you know, sad to say, I guess, or whatever, but I'm, I'm kind of realizing a little bit that 
you know, one of the reasons I was so driven as a drummer to practice and be just get really good and to play all the time, you know, a lot of it was passion for sure. I love music, but I think part of it also was that I had an insecurity about being enough for people, you know, and if, Hey, mm. if I do this enough, if I'm good enough, if I have enough talent, then people will ask me to hang out with them and I'll be wanted, which, you know, you don't really think about when you're doing it, but hindsight's always 2020. And here I am kind of reprocessing, a lot of these motives and I'm realizing that there's a deep need that I, I have, whoever I got it from, just to want to be included in things and to be needed as, as a person. And I've had to really work through that because that's a huge insecurity in my life that I think has fueled me to get good at, at, at many things, but the, but the motivation hasn't been, hasn't been the right motivation. Hmm. I was just thinking about, because we were just before we started, we were talking about personality things. And uh, do you think that ties at all to like your personality as like a, a like an extrovert and like a people person do you think that like i don't know yeah not because of that but just that it has like a i'll put it this association. way it's definitely amplified you know, like I think I'm, listen, as, as a kid, I've always been outgoing. It's just part of my personality. But I think that, um, you know, me always initiating with people, me always wanting to hang out with people all the time. I think some of that came from just that insecurity of, well, if I don't reach out, no one, no one will, will reach out to me to hang out. So I might as well reach mm. out to them all the time to hang out, you know? And, and again, right. again, I don't, I, I was never consciously thinking about that when I was doing it, but I'm, you know, the mind is so complex and so deep. I think when you start reflecting on yourself and in, in, in trusting the Lord to kind of bring you deeper into some of that hurt, he starts revealing like, Hey man, some of your motivations, like you don't, you didn't know this at the time. And my grace was sufficient for you in that moment. But, you know, this is what's actually going on, you know, and you have to be able to trust and let go of some of this stuff if you want to continue to progress as a man, which I, I, I think for a lot of men can be hard to admit that there is hurt or fear because especially in our culture, our view of masculinity is like, you know, if you're running a marathon or break your leg, well, just drag yourself across the finish line. Like don't admit that you have a broken leg and, and heal. <laughs> just say there's no pain and just push through. But mm. I think what happens is when you do that enough, eventually the pain's going to come out somewhere, you know? And I don't think every single thing that happened to me the past two months was just because of insecurity or doubt, but I think a big part of what started that was definitely some stuff, you know, deep down that just had to come up somehow. Yeah. Are you guys deep in thought over, over these words? <laughs> I was, I was going to let Rob have some response. <laughs> Rob's response time. I mean, it, yeah, there's there's a lot more to what we're talking about than what we covered in the last podcast. And I think that's, that's why Tim, you wanted to um, move forward and have like a second part as a, as a follow up and kind of an addendum because like you're finding out and, um, and I had to go kind of through this process a little while ago in my own life, kind of in the college era. So when Tim and I met, was basically the time that I was going through what you're going through now, Tim. Um, I don't know if you remember who I was when we met at the Starbucks coffee shop, but it's a little different from who <laughs> I think I at least am now. Yeah. Um, and I, I, even for me, like <clears throat> just before even that moment, I came to the, the crossroads, I could say, as it were, in my own spiritual life. I grew up in the church, grew up knowing about Jesus and God and all of that, but it, it wasn't my faith 
until that moment. And I really had to come to that cross point of, am I just doing all of these things because my parents brought me up this way? Or am I doing these things because this is what I believe? And there was a lot of insecurities and um, personality quirks that I kind of had to work through and, and face and a lot of things that, why am I, why am I acting the way I am? Why am I doing the things that I'm doing? And I just had to kind of go through all of that in the same respect. So yeah, I, I can definitely relate to what you're saying and, and relate to <clears throat> the confusion that it causes at first. I don't know if that's the right way to put it. Yeah. Um, but just like that, that, that dawning of who am I actually am I, have I just been pretending to be someone I'm not for the past 18 years yeah. or, or, or is there some of that that has been shining through and I've just been exploiting areas, um, out of proportion. Yeah. Almost like relying on your greatest strengths to make up for some of your weaknesses, like almost over relying I, on whatever it would be, you know? And yeah, I think that it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, for at the time of when it happened in my life, you know, this year, um, and I'm married already, I, I think that there was a lot. What I realized was that I was projecting my insecurity on my on my marriage. You know, like I knew, like mm-hmm. Tim, you're not insecure about Sarah. She's great. You know, there's you don't have any problems, but you're projecting an insecurity onto her, which isn't fair to her. And every t- and what I have to do now is I have to capture that thought every time I have a doubt. Like, you know, is Sarah the one? I'm like Tim. First off, that's ridiculous because you chose her already. Number two, um, you're projecting an insecurity that you have onto her. That's really about you. So time for you and the Lord to talk about that because it's not really about her. It's really about you, you know. And it was tough having to open up to Sarah and tell her that. I mean, what guy wants to tell their wife like, "Hey, I'm insecure about our marriage right now." And oh, by the way, it's not you. I swear, it's really me because I'm off the freaking deep end. And luckily, she was so gracious to you know believe me and not think that I was you know, like really, you know, like that, that, or I guess really thinking that she was the problem. Of course she wasn't, you know, it was really just, there was this mental thing happening, a combination of, you know, I think spiritual and just mental and just who am I? And she just happened to kind of get in the crosshairs. I really had to take a step back and really even really evaluate like my marriage in a healthy way, because I think something Sarah and I realized together is that, you know, the first year was really easy for us. It was really smooth. And I think it's easy just to think that, oh, it's always going to be like this. It's just how this is our new life. We're just consistently getting along and things are great. And none of us are, neither, neither of us are thinking a certain way, you know, but what happens when all of a sudden, like, you know, something spiritual happens in your marriage and you're not even ready for it. And I think we were kind of coasting and we weren't really actively looking out for potential spiritual things or mental things that could affect our marriage. And then when what, what I went through happened, it was kind of a wake-up call to both of us of like, okay, first off, marriage is definitely a choice, not just a feeling, <laughs> which which I, I... More than a feeling. Yeah, which, you know, I, again, sad to say, I think that maybe I almost kind of just believe the lie of, well, this is how you're going to feel always, you're married, everything's great, you're consistent, just here you go, you know, and, you know, having your first kind of road bump um, is a little terrifying as you're 
at least for me in that spot of oh, I was already overthinking everything and now I'm overthinking my marriage you know like like everything's already so close as, as far as like the lies go that when that lie came up it was like the scariest because I'm like what do you mean my marriage I never even thought about that before why am I thinking about it now why am I terrified and why am I so scared you know and I really felt like a little child I mean it was it was really intense but coming coming through that you know, our marriage is stronger than ever because I've been able to be more vulnerable with Sarah than ever, which was painful to do. And again, it just felt very almost embarrassing and humiliating having to tell my wife, you know, I'm struggling with with my own fears because what guy wants to tell his wife I'm, I'm fearful of something. But that stuff had to come out for us to be able to get through it. It just had to. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the time these things they're worst they're at their worst and they get worse when they are hidden (laughs) definitely if you're trying to like hold something all in and ignore it like it can get bad um but definitely like there's this aspect of you know shining a light on something that is part of that process of either moving through something or, or or having healing in something um so i mean i think it's great that i think i've always thought for you tim that that's one of your you know uh, strengths is your ability to talk and communicate about things (laughs) um and so i think that's great like when things like this come up that you know that's kind of your first response but i think what you're saying is true that sometimes you kind of get caught up in like the everything's going great and it's smooth sailing (laughs) and uh i'm just sitting here thinking of the podcast we did like right after you and sarah got married and how we were joking about you writing a marriage book um (laughs) and i'm like you still want to write that book tim (laughs) yeah nah no just kidding (laughs) no but you're out you know what you're absolutely right like it would be so different now (laughs) it it would be and but you know at least on the marriage side, it kind of hit me like, you know, we're just getting started, man. Like we're going to change and we're going to evolve as people and as followers of Christ. And I think even for Sarah, it was a good wake up call that, Hey, like she has to grow too as a wife and I have to grow as a husband. And you know, there's a lot of really healthy realizations and a lot of really painful nights. And there were nights where, I mean, I got, I remember getting home a couple of nights and just being so fearful and scared of marriage that I didn't even want to like look at Sarah. And then I, I forced myself to hold her. <laughs> like, no, I am going to force myself to hold her hand. I'm going <laughs> to force myself to touch her because I'm like, this is my wife. Like, you know, the analogy I use for a lot of people is, you know, it, it, a lot of times in our life, you know, the truth is very close to our face. So I'm holding my hand to my face right now. And then the lies are kind of farther back. You know, like you can kind of hear the lies, but you can kind of dismiss them and they're not really as loud. But the past like month, it was the opposite. The lies were like right in front of my face and the truth was so far in the back, like a still little voice. And I'm like, you know, Tim, like you love your wife. Where are these thoughts coming from? And I almost felt guilty, but almost like I already cheated on my wife. That's how I felt. Like I almost already, I, I, it's too late. I already cheated on Sarah. That's it. I already divorced her. And I'm like, Tim, what are you talking about? Of course you didn't. You're still married to her and you're happily <laughs> married to her. But it, my emotions and my, my thoughts were so against me as, as, a, as a human, as Tim, that it was so weird to fight against my own desires or my own thoughts for like the first time really in my entire life because I've had such a 
listen, I mean, overall, I've had a pretty easy go at life. You know, I haven't really had a lot of big obstacles that I've had to face until right now is the first time facing my own mind or the thoughts that maybe the enemy has planted over all these years that I finally taken such a deep root that my mind was just in full, in full panic mode. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah so something you, you talked about earlier was, you know, over the past little while and just becoming complacent and not preparing and not getting ready and not making progress because it, I think you're, you're finding out, um, what we all find out at some point in our life is that if we're not making steps forward, we're actually making steps backwards. Yeah, and that's good. that that whole biblical concept of waiting, sometimes we we feel like is, all right, well, I'm just going to do what I'm doing right now and kind of just coast through until God gives me the next step. But the biblical concept of waiting is much more than that. Uh, I think the the word for wait in like the Psalms that it's wait on the Lord, you know, that very famous verse. I think the word that's used there is the same that's used in Genesis one, when God gathers together, um, the land and, and forms creation so that waiting in the Bible has the idea of gathering together and making preparations. And so it's something that we need to be on constant lookout for and constantly aware of is, yes, things are great now. The, the storm or the, the sea, as it were, is calm right now. There's no waves. But we should be prepared for when the storm does come. Not in a pessimistic kind of way that, oh, the storm's coming, we need to get ready. But in a practical and everyday way that, um, you know, the disciples weren't going out on their boat without the proper gear if a storm came not that they were expecting it but they wanted to be prepared for it and i think that's the same way in our spiritual life that we have to be prepared and in our marriage and physical and every sphere of life we have to be prepared for when those storms do hit that we'll have an anchor that's ready to hold you know it's funny you say that so one of the the best podcasts i found recently is called marriage today with uh, a pastor named Jimmy Evans. It, the podcast, I'm telling you, you guys should get it. It's been unbelievable. Um, he's a pastor of some large church down in Texas, and his, the podcast is like 30-minute excerpts from, from a lot of his sermons on marriage. And um, it's been, uh, anyone out there listening, even if you're not having a, a rough time in your marriage, it's still worth it because it, it's such a good podcast. But one of the things he talks about is that is that no one is the exception. And what he's saying is that, listen, he even says, me and, you know, his, well, let me back up. His story with his wife is very powerful. Him and his wife were on the brink of divorce when they first got married. He was not a good man. And, you know, the Lord totally changed their marriage and their heart. And it's, it's really amazing. But he talks about how, you know, even now, 40 years later, him and his wife both know that they're not the exception either and that they have to work at their marriage and make sure that they're consistently, you know, pursuing the Lord and letting, and letting the Lord pursue them and that they're making time for each other without any electronic devices around, you know, all these different things. And it was really a good, for me, wake-up call. Like, yeah, like, I, I, again, none of this was intentional. I wasn't, I wasn't cognitive, cogn- I can say it, cognitively thinking, oh, I'm the exception to the rule, you know, oh, I, we have it all together, but that's how we were acting. 
was, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. all these couples are having marriage problems. I don't know what they're talking about because have you seen our marriage? You know, and I mean, how <laughs> yeah. naive, of I course. Course, yeah, exactly. <laughs> how, how naive and silly, of course, you know, looking back. But this was like the first wake up call for me as a man of like, Tim, like, first off, there's a battle for your heart. There's a battle for your thoughts. and There's a battle for, for your marriage. And as a man, you got to really step up even when it's painful and it's fearful and you're in panic mode and whatever it is. And you have to be able to be courageous in that time and pray out to the father and talk to your wife about these hard issues and be you know steadfast in your pursuit to get through it, um, which for me has been, you know, it's been great, but it's been really challenging to do that. Luckily for me, I started going through Wild at Heart again, which if you haven't read that book. Great great book. You know, it's funny. Jordan, I think you and I read that together uh, or we went through it a while ago, maybe 10 years ago now. It feels like that anyway. Yeah, that's quite possible. (laughs) Yeah, and you know, rereading it now, 10 years later, as a married man, the book Hmm. meant so much more to me in so many more ways, you know, and one of the things that he talks about that for me stood out the most, um, and by the way, for those of you guys listening, the book is called Wild at Heart. It's by the author, John um, Eldridge. It's a great book. It's a little over dramatic at times, but still a great book. <laughs> and one of the things that he talks about is how you know there's a, a battle to fight and how there's an enemy who wants your heart as men. And he's really big on the fact that, that the enemy really feeds you lies that are not your thoughts, but he gives you these thoughts that, that really we tend to believe, like we're weak or we're fearful or you know um, don't talk to your wife when she's angry and don't pursue your wife when it's hard and whatever else it could be, you know, and how we believe these things as men and how really true masculinity isn't about you know, how, how much money you have or how driven you are, but it's about, you know, um, you being vulnerable in front of the father, letting him work through your hurts and then being able to lead your family well. So really good book, but reading it now in this stage of my life, in this season of my life is been like, yes, that's right. I'm all about it. You know, because it was such a wake up call to me that as men, we're not always honest when we need to be, because like you said, Jordan earlier, that stuff can really sit and I can't speak for you guys, but at least for me, I felt like I'm the only one. Like, what guy has these thoughts about doubting if he loves his wife? What guy has these thoughts about being scared or fearful? What guy has anxiety and can't just work through it and tell his mind to be quiet and to move on? You know, little did I know that it's actually very common. <laughs> Those thoughts are very consistent for a lot of men, but it wasn't until I started talking about it that I, did I hear other men open up and talk about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I think what you were saying about like reading that book now in like a totally different light than before kind of comes back to what Rob you were saying about like the whole idea of being prepared for things coming because when especially I think for Christian couples and probably for a lot of other couples too when you're getting ready for marriage you kind of like have this thing in front of you that you're like and it's not bad like you're not looking at it like a storm coming hopefully. Um, but it is like, it's a big change or, you know, a big adjustment in your life, um, that's in front of you. So you're doing a lot of preparing, you know, you're, you're doing counseling, marriage counseling probably. And, you know, reading books, I know station, I did a lot of that and, uh, reading books together and, uh, all these different things. Um, and then we got married and kind of like, didn't do that anymore, Yep. (laughs) you know? And it's kind of like, be well we're married now why do we have to prepare for marriage but it is it's definitely like a continuous 
thing because like you were saying before tim you're always growing and things are changing and your circumstances are changing um and especially and i'm sure rob you can attest to this pretty fresh right now but um for us when we moved to seattle and just had this huge life change and you know left our family and our friends and kind of had to start over like that's a huge change in your life and your marriage that we didn't know was in front of us um you know four and a half years ago when we got married um but there it is you know and and it and it just goes to show that there will continue to be these things that come up in your life and and in a relationship and and i mean marriage really is a lot of you just doing life together so all these things that come up in your life it's like um we can always be preparing for them more. And I think that first and foremost is, you know, keeping solid, like on your relationship with Jesus personally and, and together um, and definitely being in the Bible. But then they're like, there are all these other resources also that I think we forget about or we kind of ignore <laughs> as we get into marriage and that we uh, maybe were into a lot before marriage, like the different books and counseling and things like that. Um, but are really still really good resources that like you can utilize to, um, you know, because there's smart people out there that are <laughs> smarter than smarter than us. <laughs> yeah. And there's the, the one thing that I think Julie and I learned is, you know, nothing against any friends or family or anything, but, when it comes to a big change like that, it really is up to the couple to come together and support one another because, yeah, our families aren't close by anymore that can stand there and, and help support us. Or, you know, we leave our friends behind and and so they're not that support system that they, that they were when we were very close by. And that's not a knock at anyone else. It's just when you make that big of a move or that big of a life change comes through, you kind of learn, Hey, there are circumstances where it's just me and her, or it's just me and him, whatever that your situation is. And this is all we have. And if we weren't prepared for this, that could be a, a tremendous, um, hardship and a tremendous strain on a marriage having to go through that without, first going through some of the purport uh preparatory <laughs> tim i had a problem that you did there it Didn't is word. preparatory <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys and, always uh, make it up words <laughs> yeah you're right <laughs> <laughs> and uh but if that work wasn't done in place then those hardships that came would be a lot harder um in that moment because you just weren't prepared for it Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to see how what you're saying is really correct. You know, something Sarah and I were talking about the other day was we're grateful for the marriage counseling that we got. We had a great counselor, but I almost wish that we kept going after we first got married, you know, mm -hmm. like, Hey Tim, like, you know, and Sarah, why don't we meet like once a month and just see how you guys are doing? Like that's a, because, and you know, honestly, though, looking back on it, we, 
I'm not sure what we would what we would have gotten out of it, but you know, Sarah and I talked about that the other night. Like, hey, like it doesn't hurt to see a counselor while I'm going through this stuff, just to make sure everything is up to snuff and getting an objective third party opinion on something that, yeah. when you're in it, can seem very not objective and very, you know, it's hard to see your your outside the box sometimes when you're in the middle of the box and the do- and the box is closed and shut and it's pitch black <laughs> you know and somebody can go no look it's just a box there's a whole world outside of this you know so we we've, <laughs> we've considered that but i think there's there's still a little bit of like um like uh what's the word stigma i guess a little bit around oh like so and so is in marriage counseling you know that must be right. they're not doing well it's like actually we're doing great but we just want to keep talking about what makes us tick and so we can learn more about ourselves and how we relate to each other so we can continue to have a strong marriage, you know? But I do think yeah. even when I started seeing the counselor, it was, I kind of felt like, again, embarrassed. Like why, Oh, Tim Whitaker needs a counselor. Like I never would think I need a counselor. And honestly, counseling has been great. I've had great conversations. It's been great insight, not because I'm walking around depressed, but because it's been helping me so much. I want to keep going just because it's someone to talk to consistently. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, I definitely think there is that, that stigma. It, I think it's one of those things in the church that just doesn't get talked about enough. And um, if it is talked about, it's kind of, yeah, like in that, um, oh, this is this person's doing this in counseling and <laughs> really just like gossiping about it. Um, but really, if you think about it, like, I mean, and a lot of times I think counseling can happen in in settings that aren't so formal you know because like how is that really so different than you know having someone that you know is um you know like a wise mentor almost that you can talk to you know and and no one would that there's no stigma attached to that like no one would say oh he's he has a mentor (laughs) things must be not as (laughs) great he's doing terrible uh, (laughs) yeah he needs a mentor um but if I mean you think about it, and it's it's a very similar you know situation, um, I think that you kind of I mean you just call it something different, and it tends to have this like negative uh, connotation to it. Um, but yeah, I think that's something that definitely should be talked about and and brought out in the open more in in church settings because it's needed. Yeah, people need it. Yeah, I. I really believe a big part of this is that we're just afraid to ask for help. I, yeah, you know, and as a guy, I understand why because, you know, guys just don't ask for help. We we can't. Admit, You're the one that's supposed to help, <laughs> right? And you know, and that's a great point, Jordan. Is that's how I've always kind of seen myself. Is well, no, I'm the one who's stable for other people, and whether it's my family or my friends or whatever. Not, you know, a lot of my friends are very stable, but I just kind of pride myself in being like. Tim's always consistent, you know, he's just there for people, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't get counseled, he is the counselor, kind of mentality, (laughs) Um, and when that all came crashing down in a month and a half, (laughs) literally, just like, kaboom, Tim, here you go, you are totally a mess, you know, I had to ask for help, at first I was like, shamed to do it, but since I have asked and I've gotten it, I'm like, wow, this is great. Now, who can I help? You know, now that I've been through this, but I, you know, I've been thinking a lot about the church culture that we live in, in America. And one of the things that, um, John talks about in Wild at Heart, and I, I do think this is a very astute point and right on the money is that we do have a church culture that teaches men that it's good to be, you know, that your job is to be moral and just a good man and a gentle man. And, there are parts of that that are, 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 
are of course true, but I think that there's like a bigger part to being a man. You know, like men have a strength that the world needs more than ever right now. I really believe that, especially when it's used in its, in, in its proper nature and proper way. But I don't know if the church knows how to handle, you know, men who want to offer their strength. You know, I think that the, the answer of, well, just, you know, be, be uh, you know, just be a good man. Don't curse at all. And, you know, don't, I recommend not drinking and definitely don't smoke and, you know, uh, just be a good husband and go to work and be dutiful. I just think it's not like the whole picture, you know, and I do wonder sometimes like, you know, I wonder what the men in my church think about. Like, I want, you know, now that, listen, uh, now that I've kind of been through this a little bit, my eyes have been slightly open to the realities of like, you know, pain and suffering a little bit, just a tad. I wonder how many guys are like, you know, doubting certain things that, Maybe they, they haven't talked to anyone about, and why aren't we? Why are we able to open up and talk about it? You know, why? I would think the church would be the safest place to do that, but I don't know if our settings and our systems allow for such discussion to happen open and honestly. You know, like if, if a guy is really frustrated and says the f word, are we reaching to cast him out because he said the f word because of his frustration, or can we understand as adults that okay, he's just really frustrated and that in context there's a lot of hurt and he said a bad word, like it's not the end of the world. But I feel like if if I said a bad word, you know, in my church small group, people would just be so aghast that you know the guy who serves on Sunday morning said a bad word. It's like oh my gosh, it's not even about the bad word. But sometimes there are just moments where I don't know what else to say but that word. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, um, I think about that a lot. Why? Why? Over the course of this discussion, the something just keeps coming up in my head. So I, I'm going to have to get it out before it explodes in my mind. Hey, you're learning. Um, I like it. <laughs> but um, it's just through all of the stages of life. You know, you, you read some Bible stories and just how they adapt and change, and you look at them in different ways. Mm. But I think the temptation of Jesus is one of those stories that depending on what stage of life you're at, it means something totally different. And in this scenario, I feel like we can learn a lot of truths from it because if, if you notice the devil didn't come at Jesus with a bunch of lies, like you've been talking about, you know, do this and uh, Tim, you're a terrible husband and you're going to cheat on Sarah or whatever the, cases but he came with partial truths and he came with things that are almost true enough for you to believe that you would fall for them but because the lord had been prepared ahead of time he knew the scriptures he knew how it was being applied incorrectly and so that he could then correct it and say no that's not the correct way that you're using that um, but that, that comes back to what we talked about earlier is just being prepared. If, if I'm going to sit back and be lazy about my Christianity or lazy about my marriage or lazy about my relationship with the Lord, there's going to be those times where those half truths are going to convince me of something that isn't true. And, um, it, uh, and my mind will be compromised and my heart would, would be almost won over by, by someone who doesn't have the best interest in mind. But if my time is spent preparing and getting ready and um, getting that that basic truth in, and I think something we touched on last week that we didn't spend a whole lot of time on, but finding our identity in Christ, if that's really what our concentration is on, then when that identity crisis hits and we're like, well, who am I? 
what what does God really want me to do, and it, has He left me here alone? When that identity crisis hits, we'll be able to have a rock solid foundation of, well, this is what the Scripture says is my identity in Christ, and we'll be able to kind of walk through it and walk ourselves out of that identity crisis. I don't know if that ties in exactly, but uh, it's what has been on my mind since we started no, it, this discussion. It, you know, it it ties in one hundred percent because. Whenever, whenever there's a lie in your head, whatever it is, if you're if you don't know how to combat that lie with truth right away, that lie can take root into your mind and become reality in your head. And that's something that right. you know I really experienced was like these thoughts were reality in my mind. Like I, part of me knew that it wasn't real, but everything else felt that it was real. And I think mm-hmm. part of that was I just didn't know how to. I never practice taking a thought captive and giving it over to Christ. Like something I really believe is that, and, I, and uh, Rob, this ties back into also uh, last episode where I was kind of talking about how what happens when you just pray the prayer and it, it, it you know, oh God, okay, you'd be anxious for nothing and you're still anxious. Well, I think the reason why that stuff doesn't work is because God is not going to just take over our thoughts and just go, okay, I'll take you over now. And here, everything has gone away. You're healed. (laughs) I really believe that God says, no, you have a choice to to either believe that thought or not, and then give that thought to me, and I'll tell you if it's a real thought or not. You know, like take every thought captive and then submit it to Christ. There's still a part on us as believers to control our mind and what we think and how we think about it. Yeah, absolutely. But I think what happens is we treat these verses like what I call genie verses. Okay, God, let me say the magic words. Be anxious just for nothing we rub the lamp okay i'm ready now <laughs> but wait why am i so anxious why isn't it working well because we're not actually putting into practice taking a thought captive bringing it to christ and saying all right christ here's this thought i have is it real or not and him saying yes that's a good thought hold to it okay i'll hold to it or him saying no that thought's from the pit of hell you need to get rid of it okay i'll get rid of it you know and i think that's where the mental side comes in is that you know a lot of a lot of people, Tony Robbins or that that app Headspace, have taught me how to be able to take control of thoughts that are not true and be able now to submit them to Christ. And then when He tells me that's not a good thought, I can let it go and not circle back over and over and over again. But if people don't learn how to how to control their thoughts, how to change their thoughts, they're going to just keep wishing upon a star with these verses that they've been taught as a kid, and then frustrated when it's when it doesn't work and they're not magically you know, healed because God is not going to just take over your mind like a robot and say, okay, you know, I set my fingers and poof, you're done. There's, there has to be work on our end to get to where we, we want to be. Yeah. yeah I've, I've often said, you know, when, um, like a lot of us will, will pray for patience, Lord, I need to be more patient. And we pray as if God's just going to grant us this wish of patience or grant us this wish of peace. But it's like, no, a lot of times the Lord gives us a situation where because of his truth, we can be patient or because of his truth, we can be at peace. And so there's he gives us situations where we can apply the truth that we've been given in that circumstance. I think that's exactly what you were talking about. Yeah, that just makes me think of uh, Morgan Freeman in uh, Evan Almighty. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but seriously, what I was going to say is <laughs> um, a, l- <laughs> a lot of what you guys are talking about is like with identity and um, truth and 
Um, just like those lies that, like what you're saying, Rob, about the lies that are so close uh, to the truth, or they contain, you know, that that piece of truth that makes it really hard sometimes to distinguish between uh, reality and and lies. Um, and it just is making me think of just like the importance of being rooted in truth and reality and the truth of scripture. Um, and I've always been, I've always heard the uh, analogy of like the people in the FBI or whatever that are trained to uh, identify counterfeit money um, and how to do that. They don't train by studying counterfeit money. Um, they train by studying real money um, because yeah. then they know exactly what that looks like. And so they can recognize any time that something is off from that. Um, yeah. and, it, and, and it's almost like a cliche at this point, almost because I feel like I've heard it so many times. But it is actually a really good analogy because it, it kind of brings home that point of like when it comes to lies and, and mistruth that, you know, the enemy can can bring t- to the forefront of our minds. Um there's like an endless variation on that. You know, we, we could never anticipate and study and prepare for each individual lie that's going to be brought our way um, over in the course of our life. But what we can do is we can study and prepare and be so familiar with the truth that is laid out in Scripture that any time a lie does come along, we immediately know Oh no, that's not that's not in line with what I know is true. Right, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's it is just it's such an important um, concept of you know you you can't prepare for each eventuality, but you can know what the truth is. <laughs> yeah, you're 100 percent right. Um, you know, I remember thinking when I was in the middle of like this panic mode of freaking out about marriage, all of a sudden. You know, one of the things that kept me grounded was knowing that, no, God has ordained my marriage. Like, that was, like, a thought I had to cling to in, like, the Mm. darkest storms of, like, no, God has ordained this. I know it's not God telling me that I should leave or that I should give up. Like, that's because God ordained marriage. And I I would bring back scripture just about, you know, for this reason, the man will leave his his mother and father and cleave to his wife. I'm like, yes, like, that's, that's the truth. And those are the thoughts I had to use to combat the other thoughts um, to really, you know, to really get to a point where I said to myself, no, that's the truth. The truth isn't this lie. It's the fact that I know God has ordained my marriage, that he's ready, that he knew from day one what was happening and that when I made a covenant with Sarah, I said for better or for worse, for sick or for poor, whether I'm mentally freaking out or not, I'm in this for the rest of my life. And those are the moments where like your vows, like I re- I literally, I pulled up my my vows that I wrote to Sarah and reread them. And I was just mm. like bawling my eyes out because I'm like, yes, like it, it brought me back to the mm. truth so quick. It was like an instant, just like, boom, I was there. Because I, I read through the whole letter I wrote her. And I said, yes, like this is what I, this is this is the real me. The thoughts I have in my head, the thoughts that my mind, that part of my, of my mind is believing are not real and this is reality. It just sent you right back to planet earth you know what i mean so it was it was it was you know it was tough man but the good news is that you know uh 
coming through this season, I've learned so, I've learned more than ever probably I have my entire life in the shortest amount of time because of the pain. Like I almost, not almost, I see now this season as a huge blessing because it's brought me so much closer to the Lord, uh, to hearing his voice. It's, it's changed my whole morning routine. Like I said in the last episode, you know, my morning routine used to be wake up in bed, look at Facebook, look at Instagram, read the news, watch TV, then go to work. And that routine has completely shifted. I mean, I wake up, I take a shower, then I take a minute cold shower, wakes your body right up. It's great. And then I go right, <laughs> right, right to prayer and journal and, and study, you know, and like my morning has shifted, but it's such a better morning because of that, you know? So if the Lord had to use a, a super severe storm to get my attention, then it was worth it ultimately, you know, because out of this, he does make things that are so terrible, so great, which I think is awesome. Yeah. 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 Well, any final thoughts you guys have? <laughs> I think no. I gave mine already. <laughs> Great. Rob? Jordan, stop being me. <laughs> that, was, that was exactly what I was going to say. All right. Awesome. Well, listen, everyone um, who tuned in to listen, I hope that this helps you guys out. You know, one thing I think it's important if you're listening is that if you had thoughts of fear or doubt or insecurity, I can safely say you're not alone and you're in good company. Uh, Many people, many men and women have had those thoughts, but the good news is that there is a way to get through that. There's a way to overcome it. Ultimately, and I know Jordan and Rob can attest, it starts with just knowing Christ more and more. My My dad told me a little while ago, he's like, listen, the closer you get to God, the more this stuff will go away. At first, I didn't believe him. Now I really believe him because I'm seeing that in my own <laughs> life, you know. Um, a couple yeah, yeah. great resources for everyone. First off, that podcast, I, I love it. It's called um, Marriage Marriage Today with Jimmy and Karen Evans. Great podcast. They post every day. It's been super helpful. I've also been listening to um, the – what's it called? I'm pulling up right now. Hold your horses. It is called – the Marriage for Smart People. Marriage Podcast for Smart People. That's also been a good podcast I've listened to. That's a Christian uh, counselor and his wife going through different things. And the last so, thing, Yes. What? Wait, wait, Tim. Wait. What? Did you know that I know that guy personally? No. Yeah. You know him? He, yeah, he goes to one of the gospel halls up in Canada. Oh, well, then I take it back. No one listened to his podcast. <laughs> Delete it pronto. Are you but kidding he's me? he's really good, right? Dude, he's great, but he charges a freaking arm and a leg for counseling. Holy smokes. But no, yeah, no, he's great. Him and his wife are great, and uh, he has great... Honestly, there was one on fear. It, it, the title was, so fear is fear ruining your marriage. I'm like, oh my gosh, like play, 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 play. And it was just super helpful, so... Yeah, remember, remember that time where I had dinner at my brother's house with a couple who had a podcast and I told you about yes. that we talked that was him dude you got to reach out to him and share our podcast then with him and vice versa because he was he, it's a really good podcast so um, it so the, it's a great podcast it's a great podcast and then the final thing I'll say for everyone for a resource is there are two books I recommend Wild at Heart for Any Man or Woman honestly is a great read it was actually written Jordan 2001 so 17 yeah. years ago, <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh. And the other book too that I'm going through is Captivating, which is um, John Eldridge, his wife Stacy Eldridge wrote that book for women. So two great books about just rediscovering the masculine and feminine souls, really great reads. So, um, Did you know yeah. that, that they wrote a marriage book together? No. It's called Love and War. 
Oh very my good. gosh. All right. I'll pick that one up as well. So anything on marriage, <laughs> I'm all about. So, well, listen, everyone, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, if you like this podcast, feel free to share it. If, if you have any feedback for us, send us an email. Rob, it is podcast at coffee theology and jesus.com yes that's exactly it i am not on facebook a whole lot these days and neither is rob but if you message us we'll try and get back to you and uh thanks for listening to our show have a great wherever you are evening morning afternoon who knows but may the lord be with you